1: wake up and say, okay, if I'm in charge of my own story, then that's scary because I have to take responsibility for my life, but it's also exciting because I get to create something out of myself that could be really beautiful and meaningful.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art, or music or screenwriting or dance or baking. And how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in.
0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Indeed.com helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through March 31st. Also, thanks to Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television that offers exclusive award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and more. To try the service out and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I need to let you know today, 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 today begins the five day free challenge that I am doing. I'll be live every day this week. And if you can't make it live, if you sign up, I will send you the replay. It is five days of the best that I have to give you. Go to kathyheller.com slash your turn to sign up for this free five day challenge I would love to be able to pour into you and share with you the best that I have right now, which is why I believe that we're all on this planet, how I can give you some exercises and tools to figure out, to get some clarity around what is your divine assignment? Why are you here? What's the mission? What's the ultimate thing that's going to help you feel that sense of deeper purpose? And how can you build that into a Full thriving business. Come join this. If you can't join it, at least you can get the replays. We're starting today at noon Eastern Standard Time in a private Facebook group. You'll be sent all the details when you go to KathyHeller.com slash your turn. I'm so excited and I will be giving away some scholarships to my program as well as lots of fun giveaways throughout the week. Sweatshirts and microphones. If you want to start a podcast and goodies from some of my favorite artists like Morgan Harper Nichols and Emily McDowell. Lots of fun stuff happening over there just to give you encouragement to take some action. So come on over, kathyheller.com slash your turn. I'll see you there. All right. Now let's talk about today's guest. I'm so, so excited because Donald Miller is here. I've quoted him so many times and it was just such a pleasure to sit down and really connect with him. He is a critically acclaimed New York Times bestselling author. He's written books like Blue Like Jazz, Scary Close, Building a Story Brand, and we're going to talk about his newest book that's coming out tomorrow. It's called Business Made Simple. It has a 60-day plan to help you level up and run a successful business. It's all so good. You're going to want to pre-order your copy right after you listen to this conversation, and we're going to have all the links in the show notes. Donald is also the CEO of Story Brand, which provides online courses and workshops to help businesses clarify their message and grow their business. If that wasn't enough, he's also the CEO of Business Made Simple, which is an online platform that teaches business professionals everything they need to grow a business. And he also hosts the podcast Business Made Simple, which was previously called Building a Story Brand. In his podcast, he shares tons of practical advice about how to grow your business and create a thriving company. He's had so many great guests on like Seth Godin, Daniel Pink, Mel Robbins. You definitely want to go check out that podcast and subscribe. This was really, truly such a gift for me to sit down and have conversation with him. Not only does Donald give you some amazing, awesome, actionable advice, but he also shares his heart and he's just so generous. So without further ado, please welcome the brilliant Donald Miller. Oh, my gosh. So first of all, thank you so much for being
1: here. Oh, my, my pleasure. It's an honor.
0: You're really, truly one of the... Just the people with the biggest hearts, and um, I went to onsite last year.
1: Oh, you're kidding! you're you're a fellow alumni?
0: Yep. And I went into that bookshop and bought a couple of little items, and I looked and I decided, and I was thinking, which book should I get? And I was like, for the ride home, I got your book, Scary Close, uh-huh. and it was on the flight home reading your book that it all really went in, and all it was
1: started making sense.
0: You said something so simple and so profound, which is, I realized that if it's love, it can't be earned. It can only be given. I was bawling on the (laughs) plate. That's it. That's what the whole experience is. So, Thank you for your courage and your work because you are loving people into life.
1: Oh, Kathy, thank you so much.
0: But you've really been on my heart and with me on this journey, and I've repeated that to so many people. So anyway, I'm so, so personally, just so thrilled that you're here. Thanks. So here we go. You are one of the people who I wanted most for my audience, and you're, you're really like a philosopher. Like really, it is about business, but it's about business through empathy and really how we connect as humans. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little first about your own journey. How did you get here from where you were?
1: Well, here, I got to start there first. I have a company in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and it's essentially a learning and development company. We teach people how to grow their businesses. Now, if you would have told me that 10 years ago, (laughs) that this is where I'd be, one, in Nashville, Tennessee, and two, I'd have a business (laughs) that teaches people to grow their businesses, I would have said, you are crazy. So the journey to get here has been nothing but left turns and zigzags through alleyways. I was a memoirist. I I grew up in Texas, moved to Portland, Oregon when I was 21. I wrote seven, I think, memoirs. Uh, Some of them did really well. When the um, publisher wanted me to write my eighth memoir, there were two problems. One is nothing else had happened. And uh, the second is, I just became convinced if you write your eighth memoir, you're actually a clinical narcissist. And I, <laughs> I'm i just a regular narcissist. I don't want to be a clinical narcissist. So I just kept it at seven. And uh, instead, I, got, I became really curious about how story works and the elements of story. I'd read a bunch of story structure books, how to tell stories, how to write screenplays. <clears throat> I read those In order to write my memoirs and also to put together a screenplay based on one of my memoirs. And I just got obsessed with it. And I met a guy who was a curriculum creator, if you will, for Accenture, the the big consulting firm with hundreds of thousands of consultants. And he said, Don, will you explore a project management curriculum using everything you know about story? So I did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was well received. And then I just kept thinking about it. I thought, you know, it's actually a much better framework if you use it to filter your message clarify your message before you go into a marketing campaign now if you think about it i'm a memorist i want to write a book about ancient narrative to clarify a message (laughs) before a marketing campaign the publisher just looked at me and went this is you're asking us to print a book for you and your mother that's what you're doing right Right. (laughs) and i said no i'm just i'm serious i'm really curious about it i think there's something here and so I wrote a book called Building a Story Brand. That book has now sold, I think in about in three years, it sold a half a million copies. So it's done pretty, pretty well. Not, I mean, not amazing, but it's so,
0: normal. Well. That so is normal. So and normal. And it just showed that there
1: was this, <laughs> this place in the market for essentially people wanting to clarify their message. But also what I discovered, Kathy, is what again, you know, if you follow your curiosity, you figure out what lights you up and you figure out what excites you. And what began to excite me was teaching business and what people didn't understand that as a writer, you basically have to be a small business person. And I began to teach business and then had to hire somebody to help me and had to, and within what, five years now, I have 25 employees. We're growing very quickly. So I had to figure out how to clarify my message, how to create a marketing funnel, how to run an execution framework, how to read a profit and loss statement, how to organize my checking account, how to manage people. And what I discovered was as I learned something I was really good at at simplifying what I learned and turning around and explaining it so that the next person could actually understand it very quickly. And that became a whole new career that I never in a million years anticipated. And now I have a company called Business Made Simple, and we teach entrepreneurs pretty much every aspect of how to grow a business, but we do it in extremely simple language. And uh, we do it so that you can apply it immediately to make money. And now, especially post-COVID, we are going after and intend to massively disrupt the university system who are charging way too much money for a business education and are not teaching anybody how to actually grow a business. I mean, you know, as well as I do, you come out of business school, you are not valuable. You do not know how to grow a business. You just have 50, 100 or $150,000 in debt. And uh, we think that's a system that is poised for disruption especially after COVID, where you're sitting around looking at your computer, watching a professor who doesn't know how to teach on camera, talk about a white paper about trade with China that you will never in a million years use if you ever get a job. And uh, I just thought, well, I can teach you the 20 things you need to know so that if you did an interview, you'd get the job. And if you got the job, you'd get promoted very quickly. And you'd end up probably running the company very quickly because it's not rocket science. There's, there are some things you need to know. But you're not learning them in college. So that's how, that's how I went from a memoirist to a, a learning and development company and really found another mission. I, I've had a few in my lifetime, but this one, you know, I grew up very poor. We, we stood in line for government cheese. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid when I was in junior high that somebody would see me and my family in the welfare line and uh, outside of church waiting in line to get our block of cheese. You know, I was just, you know, just my mom never made more than $20,000 enti- pretty much her entire life. And um, didn't have the money to go to college, didn't have the grades because had no help with homework or any of that. I'm not a victim. I could have been a little more focused and done the work, but I didn't figure life out until I was in in my early 20s. And then I figured I I discovered I was relatively smart. I discovered I could write. And then I discovered I was good at business. So really what I do is I hand this book to people who somebody delivered a bed to our house the other day, two guys in a truck. And I walked him out and I handed him a book and I said, hey, I want you guys to know I, I didn't go to college and uh, I figured out how to be really valuable in the open market. I figured out how to grow a business and I wrote a book about it. And in 60 days, there's 60 daily entries. If you read this and you watch the accompanying videos, you will know more than somebody with an MBA out of Harvard. I promise you, you'll be more valuable. And they both stopped. And we had a good 10 minute conversation. They've been talking about buying a warehouse and starting their own little shipping and holding company. And I said, read this book. Don't go to school, read this book and it will teach you how to do it. And um, that's my new mission is to find the people who are like me when they're in their 20s and say, your dream can come true and you, you need to spend $20, although you don't because I gave it to you for free. You, you need to spend $20. <laughs> do not go into debt. Instead, just read this book and start working and make it happen. Oh.
0: I have to just say your... Energy, just who you are, is so generous. You're one of the most present people that I've gotten to connect with in an interview. I just feel like everything you do will always be successful because you're so darn present. And how cool that you are on this mission because you're a 100% right. You're going to help so many people. College is so theoretical, you know, like you're really, it really Kate. is. Yeah. Like it's not practical, go apply this. So could I ask you a couple of questions that my audience would probably love to ask you about building a business? Yeah. So when I started this podcast, don't keep your day job, I had been a songwriter and I had figured out a way to make a good living as a songwriter. And I was like, oh my God, you can get paid to do what you love. And so I wanted to teach people the tools. And what I realized Mm -hmm. was before I could show people some things that you might do to get some business going on, people's big question was, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do. Like, how do I even pick a thing? Right. And so I'm curious, how do you help people even decide on what is the thing? What do they choose?
1: Well, it's, it's such a fantastic question. And it's something that, that a lot of people struggle with. And I, I think that there's a deeper philosophical root to the question. And the deeper philosophical root is, are we free to do what we want? Mm. Or are we supposed to obey some higher authority? That, that's the real question, because if you're saying, well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, well, there's a presupposition in that statement. And the presupposition is there's somebody who has something you're supposed to do. And if you're a religious person, then it's a theological question. If you're not a religious person, it's a philosophical question. If you're a religious person, as, as you know, I'm somebody who, who grew up in a, in a Christian home. When I say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I hear God saying, well, what do you want to do? And I don't think we like hearing that. I think we're saying, no, no, no. I want you to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for my life. And that Mm -hmm. way you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And if it doesn't work, it's your fault. But Mm -hmm. I will not take responsibility for my life. And he goes, not so fast. You're going to take responsibility for your life. What do you want to do? And if you think about it, that's a functional, healthy father. Where a dysfunctional father would say, well, Kathy, you're going to work at a bank and you're going to marry this guy. His name is Nate. Shake his hand. And you're going to do everything I tell you to do. And you're never going to think for yourself. You're just going to be a cog in a wheel. If, if you see God that way, it's a very dysfunctional relationship. I think what he's saying is, I would like to do something with you. I really don't care what we do. I just want to be with you.
3: Oh, so beautiful.
1: Right? Now, let's say you're not a religious person. And, and from day to day, I find myself not a very religious person. So I identify with you too. It's a philosophical <laughs> question. And what I would say to you philosophically is a fact. Fate is a terrible writer. And if you are trusting fate to write your story, it's not going to go well. You have to take the wheel. You have to take the pen. That doesn't mean you get complete control of your life. You don't. Things can happen. You know, a tornado can hit your house. And that's definitely a disruption to the story you were writing. You know, so you dance with fate. But I, I don't think fate is plotting for you. And I don't think fate is plotting against you. I think fate is like the weather. Sometimes it's raining. Sometimes it's not. But you are in charge of your own story. And when we wake up and say, okay, if I'm in charge of my own story, then that's scary because I have to take responsibility for my life. But it's also exciting because I get to create something out of myself that could be really beautiful and meaningful. And uh, if I'm not a creative person, I get to join somebody else's mission, which is just as fun and just as beautiful and just as meaningful so we can create a community together around a common mission. So that's the, I think that's the philosophical underpinning of, of that kind of question. But the first thing you've gotta, we've, we've all got to really understand is I get to do what I want. And to me, those are really healthy conversations to have. And uh, it all goes back to Viktor Frankl's book, which changed my life 10 years ago, Man's Search for Meaning, where he talks about in order to experience a deep, deep meaning in life, you have to wake up with a sense of purpose. And where you get a sense of purpose is a project. And you, you you latch onto that project. You say, I'm going to build this bridge or this house or this community. I'm going to rescue these girls from human trafficking. I'm going to stand up to this bully. I'm going to create a company that hires people. I'm going to express myself through music or through words. I'm going to get up and do something and find myself in the middle of a story. And uh, when we do that, we experience a deep sense of meaning. And, and yeah. so I, I, I think it's a matter first before you figure out what you want to do most people who can't figure out what they want to do secretly don't believe that they're allowed to do anything in the first place. Mm,
0: everything you just said, so gorgeous. And it's so true. I've often said on this show that the opposite of depression, I don't think it's happiness, but purpose. And
1: I, you're a hundred percent right. And I read that, I read that. No I was, way! I did. No, I read, you, I read you said that and I highlighted it and said, this was, she's right. Then Viktor Frankl would say the same thing. And uh, in fact, there was a problem in Vienna in the 1940s. With suicide amongst teenagers, they were killing themselves in alarming rates, especially about the time report cards came out. Mm. And he put them. The Vienna hospital system came to him and said, "Can you help us solve this problem?" And he put them into small groups, and he assigned each small group come up with a project that demands your time, that distracts you from nihilism, and love each other in a community, and also come up with a redemptive perspective on your suffering. That's his three-part formula for finding meaning. Redemptive perspective on your suffering is just, hey, what's the bright side? You've know, you you've experienced some trauma in your life, but the bright side is you now have empathy and compassion for other people who are in this situation. Okay. So just focus on whatever you can that's the bright side. And under his watch, not a single teenager committed suicide for years.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And so when you say the opposite of depression isn't happiness, it's purpose, you're absolutely right. Because there are times that, you know, I've had tragedy strike my community. We've lost friends. We've, we've had some very painful things. There are times when I wake up very, very sad, but I, I do not wake up feeling a lack of meaning in life.
3: Yeah, in other words, I'm,
1: I'm sad, but, but I feel very much in control and, and that my life has a deep purpose. And why would you never want to be sad? That's like saying, I want to paint, but I don't want to use the color blue it's a part of what makes the whole picture beautiful. What makes us sad what makes us you know feel a sense of meaningless is when we 're not allowed to paint at all.
0: yeah, it's so beautiful, and um I think part of the problem. Is that people just overthink this to death, you know, it's (laughs) like, well, is this a, is this a worthy enough thing to put myself into or who am I to think that I could help a neighbor? Who am I? I'm not good at this. I, there's so much of the, who am I to do this thing? Yeah. And I often look at people. I'm like, who are you not to like, God put you here. We need you. Let's go. But what do you say to those people who just really don't believe they're worth a hill of beans?
1: But well, I, I would say think back to, to, to somebody in a public figure or somebody who bullied you in school and realize that that person who caused so much harm never woke up saying, who am I? And so if you wake up saying, who am I, and you don't do anything, you're letting them have the microphone. And so what we need are some really good people who stand up and say, no, 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 my voice matters because I can use my voice to say good things. You know, it, it, it's it's not necessarily you and I that matter. It's what we do and what we say. And the fact that even somebody who does something utilitarian, you know, like if you clean chimneys for a living, mm-hmm. I would say what a beautiful expression of a human being that you would go out, create work, solve somebody's problem, do it with a smile, serve them, prove to the world that a task as as maybe a utilitarian is cleaning a chimney is worth something. And people who do that are worth something. Just the fact that a a human being gets out of bed in the morning and smiles at somebody, I think is a beautiful poem that uh, God or somebody might be writing.
0: Your words are music. It's like getting to listen to such an awesome symphony, just to hear you speak. So here's the thing though, the difference between a hobby and a business is there's some economics involved, right? Someone's right, pay, yeah. paying you, somebody needs this or wants this. So I, I, I'm able sometimes to have these conversations with my audience and get them to a place where they're like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit more courageous, but sure. wait, Kath, someone has to pay me. So I can't just be nice and smile. I actually have to make a thing. Right. Somebody wants to pay me for How do we get that first client? How do we actually make a thing? Because it doesn't seem that it's so simple your book is about how, how it can be simple. It seems like it's very far away, very out of reach and extremely complicated. I need fifteen thousand people on an email list before I send a message. I need a brick and mortar, but wait, we're on zoom. Like it seems very hard just to even get the first dollar in the door. Tell us how we can even start approaching that. So it feels like maybe it is simple.
1: Yeah. So grab a post-it note, anybody listening, unless you're driving and then uh, don't wait till you pull over, Uh, grab a post-it note and um, write this question on the post-it note, put on your bathroom mirror. So you see it every morning. What problem will people pay me to solve?
3: Hmm.
1: The the only reason anybody gives anybody money is because they give money to solve a problem. So I'm bored. I'll give you money to entertain me. I'm uninspired. I'll give you money to inspire me. My chimney has soot in it and there's a raccoon living it. I'll give you money to clean it and get the raccoon out of there. You know, so what problem will people solve? That's how you start a business. You start a business by saying, you know, two questions. What lights me up? What excites me? Although that isn't necessary. Uh, sometimes just solving a problem and making somebody happy is what lights me up. So I don't care what the problem is. I just want to solve a problem and, and feel useful in the world.
0: Oh my God. I love that you just said that. That is yeah. so powerful. I can't no, believe no, no one I mean, else has ever said that because yeah, that, I mean, that but, makes so much
1: sense. The real, the real meaning comes from solving somebody's problem. It doesn't necessarily come from how you solve or what problem you solve. It's just solving a problem. You know, If somebody washes my car, I don't have time to detail my car. They come in. I just gave a friend a, a detail, a car, whatever, for Christmas. Somebody's going to go to his house and detail his car. What a great service, right? But I doubt that person just goes, I was born to clean cars. They, they, right. Yeah, they're going, I was born to make somebody happy, and this is one way I can do it. And so I think that's the big question. What problem do I solve? Then you have some business questions. And the business questions is a couple. One is, can I solve this problem for enough people, for enough money to make a living? And that that is, if you want to make 7,500 grand a year, you you can stop there. If you want to make a million a year, you need to say, okay, does this scale? Uh, Is it my own services or am I going to need to hire people? Or can I write it in a book? and duplicate this book times 20,000. And I don't have to be in the room when I'm solving this problem for somebody that scales a little better. So that's the second question mm-hmm. that you have to answer. And then this book is called business made simple. It's 60 entries that you read, just pour yourself a cup of coffee, you read two pages, and it comes with a video. And it's basically an MBA, but I spend five days in the book, describing and explaining how business works like an airplane. And so the airplane has many parts. There's the body of the airplane. That's your overhead. And you want to keep your overhead small and light. Your products are like your wings they need to be light, they need to be big, and they need to be strong. They need to be in demand and profitable. Your right engine is your marketing, your left engine is your sales, your fuselage is your cash flow. So if you have a properly built business, your Sales engine is going to be working. Your marketing engine is going to be working. Your products are going to be profitable. Your overhead is going to be low, and you're going to have plenty of fuel in the tank. You'll have cash. If you have a beautifully, wonderfully built airplane and it runs out of cash, runs out of fuel, it's going to crash. If you have a beautifully built airplane, except your right and left engines are tiny, it's not going to get off the ground. If your wings are really small, your products are not profitable or in demand. And you've got a giant body on the airplane and two little minuscule propellers, you know not to even get on that airplane. (laughs) So if you build a business, just always remember the airplane. Just say, well, if we add overhead, we've got to add some fuel to engines and we've got to make the the wings a little bigger. And if you can keep the airplane flying and, and engineer it in such a way it works, you can run a business. you just got to filter everything through how this affects the airplane as you scale that business. But it all starts with one little spark, one little rivet, and one little piece of tin. And that—that that is, what problem do I solve? And will people pay me to solve it?
0: So good. OK, let's pull this part a little bit. So my audience is starting to get this. OK, probably should uh-huh. figure out a problem to solve. But when it comes to, and this is where you're really, I think, truly a genius, When it comes to how I message the promise, oh boy, is this a problem? I'll say to somebody, all right, so let me see what you're doing. And it's the broadest thing. And I have no idea what it means. Like, oh, I empower women. Great. How do you do that? Right. What, what are they paying you for? And when was the last time you heard one of your friends at lunch say, I need to find someone I can hire to empower me. Sometimes they're like, oh, it's taking care of their nutrition. Oh, well, you should say that. Oh, I don't want to be too specific that I let go of all these other people who don't care about nutrition. Like, it's How do we, in our messaging, how can we figure out the way, the method, the formula, the phraseology to very clearly communicate, to communicate well, what the problem is that we solve? Because this seems to be where it all falls apart.
1: I'll give you a little three-step formula anybody can use, and it's what problem do you solve, how do you solve it, and what will my life look like Mm. after you solve it? So let me give an example of how you would use that. Let's say you're at a cocktail party and you meet somebody who is interesting to you, and you say, uh, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm an at-home chef. And uh, your next question would probably, oh, that's fascinating. Where did you go to culinary school? And what are your favorite restaurants in town? And okay, I I hate asking this question, but have you ever cooked for anybody famous? You know, whatever. You'd you'd make small talk. You meet the second person, another person. They are also an at-home chef. They charge the same amount of money. The quality of the food is just as good. But when you ask them what they do, they answer differently. They say, well, Kathy, you know how most families don't, eat together anymore. And when they do, they don't eat healthy. I'm an at-home chef. I come to your house. I cook meals for you so you can sit around the dinner table, enjoy stress-free conversations and not feel guilty about what you just fed your family. I've got room on Thursday. If you actually want to talk about whether or not my services work for you, who's going to do more business chef number one or chef number two. So good. Chef number two is going to do all the business. The reason is they did this. They invited the customer into a specific story in which they could experience a climactic scene. Mm. So The story is a hero has a problem and needs a guide to help them solve that problem so that they can experience relief from that problem. So the hero is the family who doesn't eat together anymore. They find the guide, a chef who solves their problem by cooking their meals so that they can experience the climactic scene of eating together as a family. So when, when you meet somebody, they say, well, I empower women. That's like going to a restaurant and saying, waiter, tell me about what you guys have on the menu. And they say, protein, (laughs) right? It's so general. You just didn't drive it far enough that I know what to order. You know, you, you could say protein with some carbohydrates uh, on the side. Well, what is, that? I don't know what that is. Is that a burger and fries, is that a steak and potatoes, is that a salmon and asparagus? I mean, you, you're just all over the place. So you need to say, well, most women literally do not feel permission to use their voice and their power to accomplish something good. So I do a workshop
3: mm-hmm.
1: that lasts three hours. And by the time we're done, women know they want to write a book. They know they want to sing, sing. They know they want to run a company. They know they want to whatever. And then I hold their hand and give them coaching so that they make that happen. The trick is when you explain what you do, nobody should have any questions. Here's the worst thing you can do. I want to say what I do so that people are so curious what I'm talking about. Oh my god! They ask me questions. That's the worst thing you can do. You want to say it so clearly. They don't have any questions. They just pull out their credit card and say, I need exactly that. I have no questions. I have no questions. Give me that.
0: I love it. I'm going to go back and write all this down, but it's so good. You, you are sharing with this hero who is the customer what it is that you believe is the problem. And then you're coming along as the guide and sharing right. that how you're going to solve it. I mean, it's so brilliant. And it is all about the story. So the second thing that comes along then that I see people get tripped up with is the second, one of the wings, you talk about marketing and sales being the two different wings of the airplane and the sales one, people think this is evil like <laughs> selling? people selling. It's yeah. like, really, really, this is where like your moral character is like breaking down and people have a really hard time. It's like, I'm doing all this good. How dare I charge somebody? Especially if my why is so great, who am I to charge them for this? Or even the other way, if I feel like I'm solving a problem and I'm not that great at it, who am I to charge? There's a million ways it just feels people think they're doing something wrong
3: to mm. charge.
1: Well, I, I, I understand And I understand that we don't want to be infomercials, salespeople. We don't want to be all about money and we don't want to use people. But let me give you one fact that I hope changes your mind. People do not respect things they don't pay for. Hmm. And if you have a solution to their problem and you don't charge for it, they will not respect that solution. They will not utilize that solution and their life will not be changed. You know, would you say this? Would you say, Kathy, when, when you met your husband- would you say, hey, listen, I don't want to be somebody who demands anything from anybody. I will give you my all. But if you want to run around town with other women, that's fine. I expect no sacrifice from you in return. (laughs) Now you tell me, is that a healthy relationship? No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, some people have relationships like that. You want to have that. That's fine. I like the fact that we both are sacrificing in order to make something meaningful here happen. And so what you're asking for is you're saying, look, I'm worth it. My product is worth it. It's worth $10 or it's worth $10,000, whatever it is. That's what it's worth. I respect myself and I deliver a fantastic solution. Now you get, you get a guilty conscience when you say that, and you don't deliver a solution because now you're ripping Mm -hmm. people off. So what happens when you say, I don't want to charge for this I don't want to be somebody who, who beats you over the head. I don't want to be somebody who uses you for money. You think you're being kind, but what your customer is hearing is, I don't believe in my product. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe it's worth money. Can I please have some charity if you feel like giving me money? Because I'm a lowly human being who has no impact on the world and shouldn't really even be here. Can you please give me some charity? And
2: that's I would sad. say
1: that's a very bad sales message, and you need to work on that and really understand that if you believe in what you have and what you do, which is a journey, that's not an instant yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's a journey. And and when you believe in it, you'll charge for it. And, oh, uh, and so I good. think we, we all have to, to step into that.
0: It's so good what you just said and it's powerful. I mean, it's really, really powerful. And I think part of the problem is what is what you're referring to where people don't necessarily have any confidence in the promise that they're making.
1: And, you know, as well as I do, the way you get confidence is you step in there and you change a few lives. And after you change a few lives, you say, wait a second, this is really powerful. And, you know, nothing builds confidence like crossing the finish line a few times and, you know, getting a trophy or two. And then, and then you start to build up that confidence, but people are looking for you as a leader to have some confidence. yeah, uh, And they, they need that, they borrow that. And it, I don't think it serves them by being falsely humble. I also don't think it serves them by being arrogant. Uh, it, there's But there's somewhere in the middle that is actually a sweet spot that people migrate toward.
0: Yes, that's so true. I think the first few times though, it's a uh, yeah.
1: You got to you got to take some swings and tr- and hit the ball. Try to hit the ball a few times.
0: Yeah. So what do you say to yourself when you're starting that new thing? You you've created a bunch of new things as you went along, and so you've had a few first times. And how did you step into believing in your promise the first few times you did the first thing? Yeah.
1: You know, there's I've had a, a really wonderful journey, and I've had some friends who've stepped in and told me that they believed in me. And slowly over time, the combination of friends telling me that, me telling myself that as well as I could, and then experiencing that were the things that really transformed me into a more confident person. But I certainly wasn't born that way. I remember, you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. I was 21 years in Portland, Oregon. I wrote a book called Blue Lake Jazz, maybe 15, gosh, might be going on 20 years now. And um, it wasn't pre-Amazon, but it was pre-Amazon ranking. So you really had no way of knowing whether Hmm. your book was selling for at least six months because it would take that long for the royalty reports to say. And my book had been out a year. It had sold 21,000 copies. That's normally about it. The book pretty dies pretty quickly after that as books go. It had been out about a year. And I was living in the Pacific Northwest. Somebody called from Nashville and said, don i want to fly you in i want you speak to a group of artists and uh they're really excited to hear from you and i'm thinking why (laughs) you don't understand why they're excited to hear from me and i said sure i'll do it i mean it was like 500 bucks i'm not gonna turn that down that's and a meal and uh (laughs) then he called back and he said hey i rented a theater and i want you to do a book reading and i said man i don't know how to tell you this but don't rent a theater like do not put money down can you get your money back you know there's I, I've done a couple readings at bookstores no literally nobody shows up it's so embarrassing like people will come up to me and say excuse me can you point me toward uh, the cookbooks <laughs> that's, that's about it that's all that happens in a book reading he said oh I think you'll be surprised I go down to Nashville I speak to these artists they've all read the book and we go back to this gentleman's house that night we have dinner and he says okay you know are you ready to go to the theater I said, sure. I said, listen, man, I'm, I just want you to know, I'm really sorry. And if there's three people there, I'll spend time with them, but I, I think you've misunderstood. You know, some of your friends have read the book and they're excited about it. And that's great. But we get to the theater, the Belcourt theater in Nashville, Tennessee, the theater, which, which only has like 200 seats, but it's, it's completely full. And there's a line all the way around the block of people who can't get in and they have to do a second show. And that's the night I found out anybody knew I existed. I'm getting choked up, (laughs) just remembering. But uh, this guy, his name is Al Andrews, he's one of my best friends now. He pulls over, he looks me in the eye, he's a therapist. So leave it to a therapist as this. He pulls over, he looks in the eye, he says, I want you to understand, you are going to have a powerful impact in this world. And the combination of hitting the ball that night and having somebody else saying, here's who you are. It's actually a moment in film in screenplay, it happens after the climactic scene where the guide looks the hero in the eye and says, you're different. You didn't used to be this way, but now you are. You you actually have what it takes now. And it takes somebody outside of ourselves to affirm. It's called the affirmation of transformation in the scene in the movie. That's what the guy does. He affirms the transformation of the hero. And everybody goes, well, I wish I had that Happen to me you know what it doesn't happen unless you show up at 50 book readings and nobody's there and actually write the book and that you just have to try and try and try and try and try and suddenly you're swinging you're used to missing and the, the bat vibrates and you hear a crack you're like what just happened you hit the ball <laughs> and and then you go I think I, I can hit a baseball but it doesn't happen unless we keep trying and trying and trying that's just how it works well, one of your
0: friends who was on the show, who also makes me cry, um, <laughs> who believes so much in you was Bob Goff. Oh. And we talked about you because I just come back from onsite when I talked to him is like a year ago. And he said, you know how you know that you, you could have the, the confidence to go out there is because you're never going to know that you're the best and you're not going to help other people because you're the best. You're yeah. going to help because you're available and yeah. because you're damn generous. <laughs> and I said that to you three minutes into this interview, you are so present and you are so generous. And that's why that story makes me cry. Cause of course there would eventually be a line around the block. Cause you are both of those things. You happen to have a way with words and a, a, an amazing mind, but the presence and the generosity, that's it. That kind of open-hearted vibration, it's so powerful. It it goes right into another soul. It loves people into the moment. So um, it's it's truly like amazing. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, we're just gonna thank our sponsors. If you're looking for new content to watch, then check out Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television. Their catalog includes exclusive award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. The series are so clever. They look visually stunning and they feature renowned actors like David Tennant and Thandy Newton. Plus, you can stream on your favorite devices for just $5.99 a month. I've been trying to find new things to watch since we've been spending more time indoors and Acorn TV has been the perfect solution. One of the series I started watching is called Slings and Arrows. It's a dark comedy that involves theater, ghosts, rivalries, and Shakespeare. It's so funny and it's so good. They've also got a ton of other stuff to watch. So whether you're into mysteries or the royal family or a good dose of British humor, you should definitely go check out what's on Acorn TV. Escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. To try the service out and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code DREAMJOB. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV with promo code DREAMJOB to get your first 30 days free. I know that if I want to keep growing my business, it's really important to hire the right people for our team and the same goes for any business owner. That's why I want to tell you about Indeed. Indeed.com is a hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. With Indeed, you get full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. Plus, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. With Indeed Match, you see a great list of candidates with zero weight and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all Job sites combined according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Indeed.com slash DreamJob offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The thing is, a lot of our our audience doesn't believe that their story is worth anything mm. or doesn't know that they have a story. How do we even start to look at our life through the lens of a hero's journey and find the story or know how to share that story and know that it's valuable to share?
1: Well, I, I really firmly believe that every human being is intrinsically priceless in terms of their value. That's a foundational belief that I have. Even people who make us uncomfortable or who do bad, bad things, I think they had this enormous potential that they were yeah. born with to do something really beautiful. Some, some people get lost for a season and find their way back and some people just get lost period and, and, and do some stuff they shouldn't be doing, but intrinsic value doesn't really come from us. You know, nobody sat me down before I was born and allowed me to create myself. Somebody else did that. So, so my value doesn't actually come from me. It, it comes from this miracle of a story that we're all, we're all living within uh, and, and somebody else gave me that. So I think we have to believe that in terms of our story The reason that I think our stories are so powerful is because literally the way you and I get to choose to live, Kathy, sets the moral compass in other people's brains. That that what happens when you go to a theater and see a movie is the movie is this is Robert McKee, not me. The movie is actually setting a moral compass in your brain. It's teaching you what's worth living for, what's worth dying for, what's worth pursuing. Uh, what's worth sacrificing for. The movies teach us these things. And sometimes if it's a distorted movie, it teaches you the wrong. It sets your moral compass in an unhelpful way. But when you and I wake up and say some of the stories that I get to live right now in response to the Black Lives Matter protests, I looked around and went, "Okay, wait, I've got too many white people on staff. We're not diverse enough. I haven't done anything on this issue and decided to start a Black-owned business cohort. So now I meet, I'm meet i the only white guy in my business mastermind. And we're, we're just figuring out, each of us, it's about 12 of us, each of us figuring out how to grow our businesses. I just happen to be the only white guy. Well, we also, as a company, Business Made Simple is my company, we're certifying business coaches to teach our curriculum. We just started that program about three months ago, and we have 200 coaches we've already certified. We're going to certify 10,000. And so what I want to do is, even before we get to 10,000, I want to ask every one of them, will you start a Black-owned business cohort? If 25% say yes, it's 2,500 coaches. If each of them has 10 people in their mastermind, that's 250,000 Black-owned businesses that are being coached as a way to create more economic equality, because there's no question there's economic inequality in this country. The reason I want to do that is not just to help Black-owned businesses, because they actually teach me more than I teach them, let's be honest. But it's because I want to set a moral compass in the mind of my children. I want them to say, oh, that's what we're supposed to sacrifice for. We're supposed to sacrifice so everybody gets their fair shot. That's what dad taught me. And so to me, the fact that you can go out and live a story, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about the people around you who get to have a moral compass set. And because they live a little bit of the way you live, their life and their experience is much better. And all humanity gets to rise.
0: Every seven s- seconds, I feel like I have tears in my eyes. So the thing is, well, that's what beauty does. That's what open yeah. hearts
1: do, you know? Well, that's what great stories do. You know, and even as I read through, you know, your bio and, and the description of your podcast and all that you've built, I think the reason people you've done so well is because there's a theme, there's a controlling idea. You know, before you sit down and write a screenplay, a smart screenwriter decides the controlling idea so so Shakespeare would sit down and say well I want to prove that love is worth dying for and so how am I going to do that oh well you know there's going to be this family called the Capulets and then there's going to be this family called the Montagues and one of them's going to have a daughter named Juliet and the other's going to have a son named Romeo and, and their families don't want them to ah that's how I'm going to prove love is worth dying for you know at the end of it they're both going to die and and then there's going to be a marriage in heaven that they allude to where they're going to finally be able to be together in peace so you know you reverse engineer all that from a theme, and then if I said, okay, just in the minutes that I've known you and talked to you and read about you, I'd say, like, okay, if you had to pick Kathy's theme, what is it? And I would say it's setting people free. It's setting people free to be themselves, to build what they want to build, and no longer be in chains to whatever's holding them back. You know, when you meet somebody who's really inspirational, because you can figure out at least a theme. Most people have many, but you can figure out an a theme in seconds. And so one of the important reasons to live a great story is because people know what you're about. And when people know what you're about, they know why you matter. When they know why you matter, they treat you like you matter. And it's just a self-fulfilling, esteem-boosting circle that happens.
0: It's, you know, it's, I said the word generous before, but I do believe that everybody wants to feel seen.
1: Yeah. And very
0: few people come on the show and decide to take a minute to say something like that about me, which is really, really
1: nice. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, it's it's obvious. I'm just I'm just I'm <laughs> saying what I see. It's obvious.
0: Um, the thing I want to come full circle to, which is one of your themes, is what I read in Scary Close, which is mm. part of everything that you are, is you're so loving, right? Every story, every anecdote, every way that you even begin to phrase something, there is an inherent This person I'm speaking about, this thing I'm doing is because of another person who has intrinsic value. And it is the thing that I started this conversation with, which is I read in your book that if it's love, you don't have to earn it. If it's love, it's given to you. And I think to come full circle, what breaks my heart, you know, there's always like, what's the thing that breaks your heart? The thing that breaks my heart is so many people just weren't given a taste of that kind of love. Yeah. So love was earned and they had to do something for it, which is business, right? And so, Mm -hmm. so many people listening right now, they quit before they even start because there's a feeling of what would I have to do to earn, right? What would I constantly have to do to earn a person's time, to earn this dollar, to earn whatever? There's no feeling of this intrinsic, I'm allowed to receive from other people Mm -hmm. um, because love, love is available and love is given. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, you're just a testimony to that. But when somebody doesn't really know that because that hasn't been their experience, how do we help them heal from that and to start to experience it?
1: I'm not a counselor and I'm not a a psychologist. So I have to be really careful, even though I write a lot about the, about counselors who've helped me, or at least I've written a lot about that. I can only tell you my story. And my story is you know, I just spent a lot of years almost without knowing it beating myself up. And, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional home, mom wasn't able to be there a lot. She was a wonderful human being. And we, and we the last 15 years of her life, we just had a terrific, terrific uh, relationship. But, you know, it's, it's just tough. It's just the, the byproduct of, of having a hard upbringing and and, and not to say that i 'm more of a victim than anybody else i 've met people who had the most wonderful upbringing they they feel the same way it 's just part of the human condition. but I think there's a reality that we have to at some point understand how strong or how gifted we actually are, and then we have to appreciate that It, it sounds so cheesy. But one of my favorite bands when I was a, a little emo kid growing up in Texas was Indigo Girls. I love the Indigo Girls out of, Atlanta, out of Atlanta. And they have a line that says, when you learn to love yourself, you will dissolve all the stones that have been cast. And that line always stuck with me because because I, I it was always in the future tense. Don, when you figure that out, it's going to be OK. And I knew it. I hadn't figured it out yet. Um, I've never told the story to anybody, Kathy. I'm going to tell it to your listeners. I'll, I'll probably never write about it but I used to weigh 400 pounds. I'm now 215 or whatever. And it was a long, weird journey of trying a bunch of different stuff. But one of the biggest epiphanies I had after you know, battling all that for so long, I, I used to think I have no self-discipline. I'm super weak. I'm this, I'm that. I've got to fight this demon inside me all the time that wants to eat 12 Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> And then I realized, I just had this epiphany of like, wait a second, there's this person inside you that is so powerful. It can overcome your willpower to do what it at once. It's a stubborn, rebellious bully of a kid that's going to eat whatever it wants. That's not weak. That guy's really, really strong. Wow. And you better start respecting him because he'll destroy your life if you don't start respecting him. Wow. And I started going wow, I actually kind of have a lot of respect for that part of me. And when that started happening, as soon as I felt it, I stopped condemning myself. And I said, man, you, are, you deserve some respect. You are not going to back down. You haven't backed down in 20 years. You will literally destroy me to get what you want. Wow. You're a powerful badass of a human being. And it was almost like that other voice said, thank you. That's what I wanted. Never wanted the reasons being broke Wanted respect. And it, it it was just a crazy powerful epiphany. I still eat too many Reese's peanut butter cups, but I'm telling you, I don't eat like I used to. And I really think it's that inner party that's tired of being controlled, tired of being bullied, tired of being belittled. And it's gonna kick your ass and make you pay until you actually stop it and start loving and respecting yourself as you are. Yeah. And so to me, I wanna be really careful that because I'm not a counselor. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. But at the same time, that was a really helpful journey To know that part of the reason that there's some, you know, dark voices in your life is because you aren't showing yourself the respect and the love that you deserve. Maybe somebody taught you to think that way. Maybe somebody rejected you when you were a kid or somebody, or you made it up. Nobody was ever actually that mean to you at all. You just made it up, made up a story and you're, and it's time that we stop and we say, I'm not going to beat this kid up anymore.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that you're touching on, which I think is central to all of this and accomplishing our goals and showing up as the person we want to be is really letting go of shame.
3: That's exactly it. Yeah. It's so
0: toxic. You know, it's like regret. It it could be healthy. You know, you could say like, you know, I regret that. I want to grow. I want to be different. You know, I want to.
1: Right. Yeah. You learn from regret. You learn from mistakes.
0: Right. Right. But shame is like, you know, I got to keep that a secret. That part of me is so disgusting. You know, it's like, no, one of my mindfulness teacher used to say, like, invite all the parts of you to tea when you have tea in the morning, you know, the parts of you that self-sabotage, the part of you that's brave. And I think if you think about starting a business or posting something on Instagram or starting a podcast or going live or writing a book, it's like, if you could just release this shame, maybe you'd realize that, all these parts of you, right,
1: are beautiful, and we're all bright. yeah. And the parts that you curse, I mean, think about think about that part of me that was gonna disobey and was gonna do what he wanted, was not gonna accept no for an answer, was gonna eat whatever he wanted. W- where else did that show up? Well, it showed up right. by saying, "You can't tell me I'm not a New York Times best selling author just because I made straight things right. in high school and everyone. I'll, <laughs> I'll do what I want. Wow. You can't tell me I can't build a multi million dollar company. I'll do whatever I want. You can't tell me, you know." Some of that stuff that you're hating is actually what's built for you a pretty darn good life. You know what integrity means? Integrity doesn't mean that you act good all the time. Integrity means that you're integrated, that the dark part of you and the light part of you talk to each other and get along. And they're not compartmentalized and so that you're pretending one of them doesn't exist. So whenever you hear about some priest who's been doing some stuff he shouldn't be doing, he's not integrated. He doesn't have integrity. The bad part wasn't talking to the good part so that they could figure out a compromise and live an ethical life. Wow, and so what we what we want to do is we want to be integrated.
0: I never heard that. It's,
1: <clears> it's throat> Henry throat> Cloud. He, it's Henry Cloud <throat> is a old friend. He wrote a book called Boundaries and he talks about it. He actually wrote a book called Integrity and he talks about that.
0: It's amazing. And all of this is so good. And what you just said, um, as we're wrapping up, based on what you just said, which is that you learned from that Indigo girl song and from so many other <laughs> things that, which they're one of my favorite bands too.
1: They're amazing. They're still amazing. amazing. You can follow uh, them on Instagram. They're wonderful. Amazing
0: beyond harmonies. Forget it. The thing is uh, learning to love yourself and the last day, and this is just personal, but you would get it. So at onsite, just to bring it full circle, I'm in this room, you know, you're in this room with your own therapist with mm-hmm. seven people. And she does different things with each person, depending on what people need or she feels into it. And she says to me, all right, someone's going to play you as a little kid, the whole thing. And then finally, after an hour and a half of this whole, we kind of relive a lot of stuff. She says, go over to her and tell her, you don't have to live here anymore.
1: Mm.
0: And she goes, and now tell her, I'm coming to get you. Wow. And I lost it. (laughs) Lost it. And she goes, you tell her, tell her again, I'm coming to get you. And it's this this is what you were just saying and this really is the truth is like there's a little kid who is going to need you to come on over and come get them like mm-hmm. let's go back to wherever that was and wherever we we've been and like love this person right yeah. give it because to you ourselves because you know what they're demanding
1: it they're saying i want your respect i want your love yeah yeah i don't want your pity i want you i want you to treat me like an equal stop trying to kill me or box me out. We we need to talk. I'm trying to teach you something here.
0: And it's amazing how I came back and God, it just opened up so much in my life, just not needing it from outside, right? Just like learning to integrate, I guess, a little yeah. bit of that with myself. And, and like I said, I bought your book when I left and uh, you ushered me home back to my front door. Um, I read your words the whole way home. And it was such a brave thing that you wrote that book, Scary Close. And I was like, is this the same Donald Miller who I know about through Amy Porterfield? Is this the same business master? (laughs) And he wrote this book, like this very vulnerable book. You're just one in a zillion. And I'm so glad, such a treat. So tell us where we can find you, where we can buy your books, where we can listen to the podcasts, because we need more.
1: Well, first of all, I'm going into this evening very, very encouraged and on a high because uh, you have, not unlike my friend Al Andrews, pulled the car over and said, Don, you matter. And uh, that just means the world to me. And the fact that you have a podcast, you're doing this for millions of people is amazing. Uh, the best place to interact with me, there's a book on Amazon called Business Made Simple. If you get it inside the book, it tells you how to get 60 videos. I won't upsell you God. anything. There's 60 videos. It's better than an NBA. It starts with the 10 characteristics that I, I went and interviewed NFL coaches, presidents of the United States, first ladies, oh members God. of the judiciary. And what I found that they had- You're so common... amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just, <laughs> you'd, amaz- you'd be amazed at who'll sit down and talk to you. But I talked to them and um, I found they had these 10 common characteristics and, and they're not what you think they are. They're things like they saw themselves as an economic investment on the open market. They literally saw themselves as a economic product And anybody who invested anything in them, they were obsessed with giving that person a better return. If somebody invested love in them, they wanted to love them more. If somebody invested money, they wanted to make them more money in return. If somebody invested a vote, they wanted to die trying to get that person what they need. So they were amazing in that sense. And then the next one is they saw themselves as a hero, not a victim. The third is they knew how to de-escalate drama. They were not afraid of conflict, you know, on and on. So the book starts with 10 of those characteristics and you get 10 videos. It drips out. So every weekday you get a video, you pour a cup of coffee, you read the entry, you watch the video. And in 15 minutes, you get something that will will help you make a better decision that day. And there's 60 of those. And the book is business made simple. If you actually pre-order the book, it comes out January 19th. If you order the book and you forward your receipt, you know, Amazon sends you a receipt. Forward your receipt to Book at Business Made Simple. There's five videos that I created called Zero to Ten, and it's how I took my company from zero dollars to ten million dollars in five years. And video number three is just how I arrange my five checking accounts so that when money flows into one, some of it flows into taxes, some of it flows into my personal money. It's how I divide up my checking accounts, which has been the, probably the number one tool I ever discovered in creating a business was just how I manage five. It sounds so utilitarian, but it changes everything. So if you forward your receipt to book at business made simple, I'll send you those five videos. Listen, I'm not going to upsell you. I am going to send you 60 videos. You're going to get tired of me, but I'm not going to upsell you anything after that. I promise.
0: I don't get any of this. Like you are literally like a thousand people in one person with how much you give but I'm so here for it. And we're gonna make sure that everybody knows about the links and and we're gonna make sure that this episode drops before this book comes out so that they can pre-order it. You're the best. I had so much fun with you. What a nourishing, delightful conversation. Thank you for everything.
1: Well, Kathy, okay, I'm gonna return the favor. If, if you don't mind, I'm gonna have folks reach out. You're, if you'll come on our podcast, I'd love to introduce you to our audience and I'm gonna do all the questions and you're gonna do all the talking. Does that sound good? <sighs>
0: Oh my God, that's so- I'd love to
1: have you. I think it would be fun. We could talk about it on site. We could cry some more. Well, I'll send yeah, let's do that. and We'll make it happen. I love it.
0: <laughs> Donald Miller, you are the best. Thank you so much for being here with us.
1: Thanks. You're so encouraging.
0: Thank you. I love Donald Miller so much. What an honor. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, when you follow your curiosity, you'll figure out what lights you up. Number two, take responsibility for your life. You're in charge of your own story. Number three, ask yourself, what problem will people pay me to solve? that will lead you to your business. Number four, you can create meaning and happiness just by solving a problem, no matter what the problem is. Number five, invite the customer into a specific story. They're the hero and you're the guide who will help them solve their problem. Number six, you have to try, 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 keep swinging. And eventually you're going to hit the ball. Number seven, every human is intrinsically priceless. Intrinsic value doesn't come from us. It comes from the miracle of a story that we're all living within. And number eight, treat all the parts of yourself with love and respect. When you give them respect, that's when you can live with integrity. Oh, you guys are such the best. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world that you're here. I know that your time is really the most valuable thing. And the fact that you spend it with me, I don't take it for granted. If you haven't already signed up for the challenge, it's not too late. I will be Every single day this week at noon Eastern Standard Time, and if you sign up, if you can't make it live, I will send you the replay. Go to kathyheller.com/slash your turn. I'll be there all week, Monday through Friday, and I'll just be sharing with you everything that I know about how to figure out what it is that you are here to do and how to do it full time and get paid to be you. Go to kathyheller.com/slash your turn. Also, we are continuing with the daily episodes, and we have more awesome guests coming on the show, so please subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you love the show, it would mean so much if you left a review. And I'm curious if you can think of one person who needed to hear this episode today. Is there anything about this episode that inspired you and you think it would inspire someone else? If the answer is yes please send them a link or email it to them or text them or post about the show on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller and tag Donald Miller and I'll repost it and he'll probably repost it. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And for those of you who are going to be in the challenge, I'll see you guys later. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
3: Let's not leave.